Sports, Politics, Life, 360 Document Solutions presents Kevin Keatsman Has Issues online at 360documentsolutions.com. Well, they sure don't mess around with justice in South Carolina. That's pretty obvious to everyone after the Alex Murdaugh murder trial has concluded on consecutive life sentences as he has committed the crime and found guilty of murdering his wife and his son, his son first and then his wife, at the kennels near their home in South Carolina in a trial that really caught the eye of the entire nation, has led to a Netflix series. I think there's a couple of other documentaries out there. This was a family that was in law enforcement, attorneys, for over 100 years. They basically ran the legal community in the county in which they resided, and now in the same courtroom where his father and grandfather and he had argued as a lawyer. He is found guilty, and he's carted off in a, a beige jumpsuit for consecutive life sentences for murdering his son and his wife a couple of years ago at their home. Many of you have watched this trial and saw it unfold, and we were all aghast at how completely competent and believable Alex Murdaugh's lies were as he was sitting on the stand against the advice of his attorneys. He took the stand and tried to defend himself on the stand, and most people thought he did a really nice job. One juror said after this trial, he's a good liar, but not good enough, and we got him. He had committed all kinds of crimes. If you, haven't, if you haven't followed this trial, this family was embattled in all kinds of criminal conduct. He had stolen from clients. The son, the underage son, got drunk, crashed his dad's boat, and killed a girl. They had things coming everywhere. He had bankruptcy proceedings taking place. They lived like millionaires, but he had spent all his money on a drug habit that was up to 80 pills a day. He was taking uh, prescription drugs, oxycodone and, and things like that from a drug dealer who he later attempted to pay money to to shoot him in the head and kill him so his son would get the life insurance instead of committing suicide. You can't make, this is one of the craziest things that's ever happened. And we watched it unfold and we knew this thing was going to go. There's not a person that watched it that didn't think he did it. The question was, does it meet the legal standard of beyond a reasonable doubt? And the jury in this case only took, you got to love South Carolina law. The jury deliberated for, 45 minutes, 45 minutes, unanimous, guilty. They sent it back to the judge. The judge says, great, I'll sentence you tomorrow. <laughs> We're not sentencing for six weeks down the road. The judge says, back here, 8.30, uh, 9.30 a.m. Eastern time, back in the courtroom tomorrow, I'll sentence you tomorrow. The judge comes in and just lets Murdaugh have it. I mean, he just lets him have it. He says, your son and your wife are going to haunt you when you try to sleep, he said, Quote, I'm sure they will come visit you while you try to sleep, unquote, the rest of your life. I mean, this judge was brutal to Alex Murdaugh for the crime that he committed and then slapped consecutive life sentences on Murdaugh. He'll never get out of jail. He will die in jail. And it will be really interesting to see what happens with him in prison, whether he does interviews, you know, is the subject of a book, what does the, the surviving son do? I, I This... The poor son is now basically out on his own. He's in his 20s. He's a grown man. He can fend for himself, but he's he's lost his mother. He's lost his brother to the murder, and now his dad is in jail for life, and he sat there through the entire trial every day in the courtroom watching it. Nobody's really interviewed him or asked him or, or what they think. He cringed as the dad was sentenced to two consecutive life terms and kind of took it stoically. He didn't break down and ball or anything like that, but this trial was amazing to watch just because of the circumstances of this family. 
the position of this man who was a, a very, very good lawyer. And I guess he thought he had concocted the perfect crime to get away with it, but it didn't fly. Ultimately, the juror said two things got him. One was the video in the kennel of the son four minutes before he was murdered. The son recorded a video of one of the dogs in the kennel. And you can hear Alec Murdoch in the background speaking and hollering at one of the other dogs. He had told the court and authorities that he was nowhere near the kennel and had not been to the kennel, but there was video evidence that that was a lie and he was at the kennel. So he had to change his story and then he's on the stand and they're asking him about it. He goes, yeah, I was at the kennel, but I went back to the house and then I tried to get a hold of him. There's a 17 minute gap, of course, between the time that the cell phones stopped being used by the son and the mother and when Alec Murdoch got in his car and made a phone call, there were 17 minutes. You know, they still didn't find the murder weapons. They didn't have blood splatter on clothes and things like that. He did a lot of great work in 17 minutes to cover up his crime. There's no question about that. But there just was nothing plausible that anybody else could have possibly done this. What was the motive? Eh, the judge seemed to interpret as he sentenced Murdoch that you may not, he, he said something to the effect of, you may not have killed them, but the crazy person you were taking up to 80 pills a day did do this. And of course, Murdoch's been in custody, so he's off the drugs now, and he's a different person than he was when he was taking the drugs all day, every day. He said it was an $80,000 a month habit, drug habit. He was paying to get them illegally. Doctors weren't prescribing them. He was getting them illegally and went broke on drugs. He went broke on drugs. He stole from clients. He was a drug addict. He was a liar. He was a thief. His son killed a girl by drunk boating. This family was a train wreck. The wife apparently was going to leave him. His financial world was crashing down. He was declaring bankruptcy. He was probably going to go to jail for the crimes that he had committed, being disbarred as a lawyer. And this was just an unraveling of a man's life through drug use. And it led to the death of his wife and son in a, a trial that really captivated the entire country because of what they had, what they seemed to have as a family, and then what unraveled and how it happened. I think it's important for the country to look at the state of South Carolina and say, this is how you do it. There was good police work. This trial did last longer. It was supposed to last three weeks. It lasted six weeks. It lasted longer than they thought. But it was swift. The justice was swift. The jury deliberated for 45 minutes. And three hours after they adjourned, they called court back into session, rendered the verdict of guilty on all counts, and the judge says, great, come back here tomorrow morning at 9.30 and I'll have your sentence for you. It's over. It's done. It would take years to do an appeal at this point. And I just, I, I just want to pat South Carolina on the back. We watch so many bad things in our justice system happen. We watch people run free. We see justice not served at times. We see states and cities, municipalities that are soft on crime, that allow people to walk free. This is how you do it. This was America. South Carolina is a shining example for how this works. This works. The system works. And it rendered a swift verdict serving justice for the people of South Carolina. Alex Murdoch trial. We'll never forget it. I haven't spent a lot of time. I, I don't, you know, crime podcasts are like the biggest segment of podcasts out there. And many of you uh, make comments at my podcast site, and then I can see what other podcasts you follow. Many of you listen to crime podcasts. I'm not as into it as some people are, uh, but I was into this trial watching it, but I, I didn't bleed over much into this podcast because 
you just can't really deliver the news of the day every day on a trial and keep it fresh when you're, to me anyway, when you're podcasting. But now that it's over, man, my, I just pat South Carolina on the back. Well done. Job well done. State of South Carolina, jurors, law enforcement, and the legal community in South Carolina. Okay, that took some of the headlines away from something really big that's going on this week, and that is the beginning, the beginning of the real GOP race for presidential nomination. Donald Trump is at CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Committee in Washington, D.C. He's been a fan favorite of CPAC for years. They won't call him the keynote speaker because they don't want to disparage the other speakers. Let's be honest, Trump's the keynote speaker at CPAC in D.C. At the same time, Ron DeSantis is at the Club for Growth in Palm Beach, Florida, at a swanky resort. And this is a really big deal that has major conservative donors there, a lot of money people. And DeSantis is the keynote speaker at the Club for Growth event this week, this weekend. So it's interesting to see the two candidates and what they're doing. We're not going to spend really any time here on the other candidates. I don't care about Nikki Haley or Mike Pompeo if he gets in this week. Vivek Ramaswamy maybe says some things that will make it into the podcast because he's a really interesting guy and he says things. But as far as the race is concerned, this is going to be a two-person race. Ron DeSantis is not declared yet, but he's all but declared. He put a book out this week. He's standing in front of, he's giving speeches in front of um, podiums that have slogans on them, anti-Biden slogans on them. Like he's, Ron DeSantis is going to run against Biden. He's not going to run against Trump. Ron DeSantis, when he declares that he's running for president, is going to immediately run against Joe Biden. That's what he's going to do. What Trump does is anybody's guess. It appears at this point that somebody got in his ear and he listened, stop attacking DeSantis. Just go run your campaign. So what does Trump do as he's going to CPAC and DeSantis is at Club for Growth? What does Trump do about this? He doesn't attack DeSantis. He goes on social media and he refers to Club for Growth as Club for No Growth. Said the only good things they ever did is when they were partnered with me, but they're, quote, globalists and losers. Now, none of us like this. None of us like Trump going out there and disparaging the Republican Party or the Club for Growth or people that are conservatives or donors or any of these things. We don't like it. But he's clearly taken attack this week, and I find it very interesting that DeSantis goes to the Club for Growth, and instead of attacking Ron DeSantis... He attacks the organization DeSantis is speaking in front of because it's kind of a nameless, faceless organization. It's a shot at DeSantis, but it's not personal. And I'm wondering if they got in his ear and said, look, you're going to tank this thing. This is the one candidate you can't go after. That, and he had, he's called him Ron DeSanctimonious. He's called him that. That's backed off. Is this the time that Trump goes out and plays it straight against Ron DeSantis Or does he attack, attack, attack? Now, I'm not saying that they won't paint each other as, you know, with policy. He may try to paint DeSantis as a globalist. He's in with the elitists, the big money, the people that, you know, the rhinos are supporting him. And they will. The rhinos will. The never-Trumpers of the Republican Party are going to support DeSantis. And for our part, it's easy to point out that a lot of these people are what we consider rhinos. They're the soft Republicans. But they have a lot of money. And they will support a Republican, and they're going to choose DeSantis over Trump because so many Republicans even don't like Trump. So I think it's fair to attack DeSantis and say, listen, he's got the rhinos with him. He's got these money people, these wishy-washy people. He may even get some endorsements from candidates that he doesn't want, like Mitt Romney. 
I mean, do you want Mitt Romney's endorsement? Probably not. Would DeSantis get it? Probably. Does he want it? Does he want Jeb Bush on his side? Does he want the Bushes supporting him? I don't really know how it's going to play out, but I find it fascinating that this week, as we have these dueling events with these candidates, Trump has decided to attack the club for growth and not Ron DeSantis. Very interesting to see this thing taking off. But I, I just, again, I just don't know what good it serves. You know, when, when Trump, there was no primary for him when he was president. That was easy. When he was running in 15, it was fun. It was a circus. There was a million candidates and he just slaughtered them all. And it was fun to watch. It was okay to watch him tear apart other parts of the Republican Party. And we loved it because almost across the board, these were people that were less conservative and not as populist as Donald Trump. So we loved it. And that's what Republicans gravitated toward. They loved that about Trump. And he, he did. He did. He made quick work of little Marco and, and uh, Jeb Bush and all these the, the pretenders that came after him. That was easy work for him. This will not be easy. Ron DeSantis is very popular with people that have voted twice for Donald Trump. Like I voted twice for Trump. Twice. Millions of people voted twice for Trump. And almost every single one of them that voted for Trump twice loves also loves Ron DeSantis. So he's got a real problem here in whether or not he can hammer on that guy because we all like DeSantis as well. And I think we're all in, in one category. Whichever one gets the nomination, we will vote for. And we will hope beats Joe Biden because Joe Biden is, is, is just, it's not working with Joe Biden. Uh, more on that in just a moment. KKHI is brought to you by Amazing Garage Floors. John and Heather Hutchins. They do a lot of this work themselves, folks. They're still roll up your sleeves, get the job done, folks. 16 plus years in business, over 10,000 garage floors, 6 million square feet of epoxy flooring. Wow, this is some company. AmazingGarageFloors.net or call 913-901-7139 for Amazing Garage Floors. Great Life Golf, online at GreatLifeKC.com. If you'd like to get a low-cost membership to play all the golf you want, for one monthly fee, contact Great Life Golf. It's real easy. Just shoot an email off and say, here's where I live. Here's what I'd like to do. What's the best club for me? What's the closest club? They've got clubs all over the city. Just send an email to join at greatlifegolf.com and let them know you heard about it on KKHI. That's join at greatlifegolf.com. Some of you may belong to very expensive country clubs and you feel like you don't play enough golf or get enough value. There's great clubs out there with great life that cost less and have fitness centers, swimming pools, golf facilities, family memberships, corporate memberships. Shoot an email and say, hey, I belong to this club. What do you have that might be better for me or my family? Join at greatlifegolf.com. And our friends at Joslin's Jewelry, Gary will be in there Saturday. He's in almost every Saturday, shaking hands, smiling, having a good time with folks that come in. Joslyn's Jewelry is the jewelry you'll recommend to your friends and family. It's family-owned and operated, and these people are world-class. There are no commissions or anything like that. You just go in. While you're there, they'll clean the jewelry you walk in with while you're shopping. It's just great service. Good people. Ask for Cameron. He's the son-in-law. That's right. Cameron's the son-in-law and probably the heir apparent to run this business for decades in the future, along with uh, Gary's daughter, so it's a family business. It will remain a family business, and they do things one way from the beginning since Gary's dad started Joslyn's Jewelry, and that is uh, just treating everybody like family. Joslyn's Jewelry, 95th and Antioch in Overland Park. Okay, so Joe Biden is just one bad thing after another. 
And now people on the left are mad at him. They're mad at him over a DC crime bill. I won't get into the weeds of what that is. He's changed his mind on that thing because it's an election season. He's going to change his mind on a lot of stuff because the election's coming. He's going to flip-flop on some things, which used to be bad in politics. They'd say, oh, you flip-flopped. Well, Biden has to flip-flop to win. We know this. He's going to have to do some things over the next year and a half in order to win re-election. And those things are not going to be very liberal. And the liberals in his party are not going to like it. He's going to have to move toward the middle. So we see that. But spending money doesn't seem to be one of them. The guy just spends money like crazy. And right now, he wants to spend this $400 billion or whatever it is on the student loan forgiveness. The Washington Post, these are people that support him. This is a liberal newspaper. The editorial board writes a piece. And this is just astonishing to me that they now say these things out loud. The Washington Post writes, it's illegal for Joe Biden to hand this money out. There's not, there, he didn't go through Congress. This is not legal. But the Supreme Court should ignore the law and allow it. That, so the Washington Post is for it. They just wish he'd gone through Congress. They acknowledge it's illegal. And now the highest court in the land, they want to turn the other cheek and say, we'll just ignore that it's illegal. Right. That's what the, it says. This, it's an overreach for the Supreme Court to rule this is illegal. Right. Yes, it's an overreach for the Supreme Court of the United States to have a ruling on whether the executive branch is following the law. No, that's exactly what the Supreme Court is, and it's exactly their role. It's exactly the way this government is supposed to work. Do the liberals just forget the Constitution? Do they forget our separation of powers? Do they forget checks and balances? Have they just forgotten this, and they want now a king, King Biden, to just do whatever he wants? And that is paying all these hundreds of thousands, millions of people money to pay off their loans so they'll vote for him. This is outrageous. I mean, I can't even believe they say that part out loud. The Washington Post says what Joe Biden is doing is illegal, but the Supreme Court shouldn't pay attention to that. They should just ignore it and walk away. Okay. John Kennedy is the senator from Mississippi. And he has a way of saying things like nobody else in politics. And it works. And I love the man. He is sensible, and he says things that, that are absolutely perfect. And speaking, I believe, at CPAC, Kennedy said of Joe Biden, quote, if you put Joe Biden in charge of the Sahara Desert, he'd run out of sand. That's it. That's liberalism in a nutshell. That's Joe Biden in a nutshell in the way he spends money. I love the way he spins it. I love the way John Kennedy does this. He's very homespun, simpleton, articulate, and intelligent. And I love it. And there is an American anywhere that doesn't understand what that means. If you put Joe Biden in charge of the Sahara Desert, he'd run out of sand. And that's exactly right. We love John Kennedy here at KKHI. We also love Dr. Bill Bush at North Kansas City Dental. Two offices, Armor and Swift in the Northland. But they built out this whole building. It's unbelievable how... Gorgeous and wonderful and comfortable the facilities are there to visit your dentist, Dr. Bill Bush. If you'd like to make an appointment there or his Westwood office, I think one or two days a week there in Westwood near the plaza, it's 816-471-2911, online at nkcdental.com. Advanced medical imaging, online at medimageks.com. When you need an MRI or CT scan, why would you wait? See what's inside today at Advanced Medical Imaging. They have the best state-of-the-art equipment, the best, biggest, most comfortable machines anywhere for MRIs available. They're quiet. There's natural lighting. And 
If you want to get the heart scan like I did, you pay out of pocket. It's less than 100 bucks, and you can get your plaque score on your heart and get peace of mind. I'm going to do it once a year. Get the heart scan online at medimageks.com. Again, all of our sponsors are online at the KK list, including Tickets for Less and ticketsforless.com. The Big 12 tournament is next week in Kansas City. Looks like we could have a KUK State doubleheader. That's possible on Thursday during the day session. If you're looking for tickets for that or the semifinals Friday night or the championship game or early rounds, ticketsforless.com is the place to go. You want to save money? Pop that promo code in there, KKHI, at checkout, and you're going to save typically between 5 and 15% of your total order at ticketsforless.com. It's also concert season, and there's no reason for me to rattle it all off. Everyone is coming, whether it's Arrowhead, T-Mobile, uh, Azure Amphitheater, whichever one, it doesn't matter. They're, everybody is coming this year. COVID's over, everybody's coming. You want to go to a concert, or if you want to see the, the Broadway show that's here, six at the Music Hall right now, Tickets are available, ticketsforless.com. And don't forget, if you're traveling on vacation this summer and you want to see an event in the city you're traveling to, Tickets for Less got you hooked up nationwide. Any event, anytime, anywhere, ticketsforless.com. And your promo code is KKHI. All right, on to basketball. And kind of a dead last Saturday of the college basketball season. What's everybody playing for? Well, KU's won the Big 12. Missouri's playing to move up in the NCAA tournament seating, I think. Kansas State, with a win, finishes second in the Big 12. They become the two seed. It's a big deal. That'll change the opponent that you play in your first game at T-Mobile Center. And it avoids Kansas until the championship game if you got there. So it would be a big deal for Kansas State to go win, I guess. But really, all these schools are playing for now is where are they seeded in the NCAA tournament. Right now, Kansas is a one in bracketology. Kansas State is a two. And Missouri is an eight. And it gets you thinking here. If KU and K-State wind up as ones and twos, and Missouri's somewhere around the 7, 8, 9, 10 line, we could have a potential matchup in the second round. I don't think they'll put KU and MU together because they already played. I don't think they'll do that. I think they're sensitive to things like that. But I had Danny Klinkscale on the patron podcast yesterday at KKHI. If you'd like to become a patron, just go to the website, kkhasissues.com. Click on Become a Patron. Danny joins us every week for a thing we call Between the Lines 2.0. Danny has his own website and podcast at dannyclinkscale.com, and he's just terrific and is a truly an expert on college basketball. He's covered more college basketball than anybody I've ever met and loves college basketball, knows it inside and out. And as part of the podcast yesterday, I said to Danny, boy, this I think it's been underappreciated because the Chiefs have taken so many headlines. It's been underappreciated by basketball fans in our area, but if you're a KU, K-State, or Missouri fan, you should be really excited right now. I absolutely think they should. You know, for a little bit, a couple of weeks ago, it looked like maybe K-State and Missouri were kind of fizzling out a little bit and their seasons were headed in the wrong directions, but they've kicked it back up and they're doing it in an exciting fashion. They're both playing good ball and they're doing it in different ways. And Kansas has been relentless and then really seemed to find their game. And then the last two games when they didn't play particularly well, they still won, which is what kind of what they do, which has really been kind of the hallmark of their season. They have played a host of close games, many of them at Allen Fieldhouse, and pulled almost all of them out. Well, they pulled all the close ones out. They got, you know, blasted by TCU. But uh, all the close games they have pulled out and you had left coaches lamenting and trying to be politically correct and not get, uh, I think, fined or sanctioned by the league. Mark Adams was pretty funny after the KU game saying, 
well, they, they, they make the big plays down the stretch with that big home advantage. And then on the last play where they drove to the basket, said, well, we didn't get the call, uh, but not in an angry way, just sort of in a matter-of-fact way. And I think that you just have to expect that. And sometimes you also look at it and, and just shake your head you know, for Kansas fans in a delightful way. I mean, the most important play of the game against Texas Tech is the ball just bounces all over the place. Texas Tech had about eight chances to grab it, and they didn't. And then it ends up right in the hands of Kevin McCuller for the most important basket of the game. It was easily the most important basket of the game. And I don't know whether I liked or disliked this. We talked about this in regards to the Super Bowl a couple weeks ago, Danny, and what happened with the Chiefs and the, the, uh, the pass interference or the defensive holding call. So on that play, I think they could have whistled four fouls, two on each team. And they didn't whistle any of them. They just let them go. Did that happen? Right. Th- that only happened because there was a minute 30 to go. If it was a minute 30 to go in the first half, somebody would have been called for a foul there, and it could have been on either team. Do you like the fact that they swallow whistles and it just gets more physical at the end? And do you think Bill Self coaches to that knowing that it's harder to get a whistle? I'm pretty sure he coaches to it. Uh, I don't necessarily like it in the context of the fact that right now, Big 12 games are so physical. It is so hard. You have to play through contact to make a basket at the, at the rim. So it's so tough. I mean, you're going to get fouled. It's just if you get fouled enough that they're going to call a foul. And if they take it up to another level, I think it gets a little ridiculous. Uh, I think that, for instance, that drive by the Texas Tech player at the end, he got flattened right into the stanchion. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And there was, there was no foul called. I mean, I can't believe that during, even by the physical standards of uh, the way that Big 12 has been called this year, which is almost rugby-ish, that I think in, in another part of the game that would have been called a foul. So I guess I don't really like it when they, they're already letting them play to a tremendous extent and ratcheting that up a little bit more. I don't think that's a good idea. A very good in-depth conversation with Danny on the patron podcast yesterday. If you sign up today to become a patron, you can hear the entire interview from yesterday. It it unlocks the entire catalog of all the patron episodes, in fact. So you get them all when you sign up for $5 a month at kkhasissues.com. If you want to hear some, typically when Danny's on, it's all sports. So if you want more sports, uh, Danny joins us every week for what we call Between the Lines 2.0. It is good stuff, and we always appreciate speaking with Danny, especially on things like college basketball. We also talk some golf, some Royals, some other good stuff on the patron podcast yesterday. I like Danny. I've known him forever and he's just a a good man and a terrifically professional broadcaster. I really respect that in him. And I hope you, I know the patrons enjoy those podcasts. So uh, there's a little sample of what it sounds like when we have Danny on every week for what we call between the lines 2.0 for the patrons. The big 12 is making noise off the court, off the field right now. And it is pretty obvious that Brett Yormark, the commissioner of the big 12, has reached out and offered Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and Colorado membership as a group to join the Big 12. They're mulling it over as we speak. George Klyavkov of the Pac-12 gave an interview, and he said he is, quote, dodging grenades, unquote, from every corner of the Big 12. He said the Big 12 should be scared. He's talking big, like, the you know, the Big 12 should be scared. They're trying to raid our teams because we're the Pac-12, we're great, and this and that. It's Klyavkov that's scared, and his conference is falling apart. USC and UCLA are gone. They're headed to the Big Ten, and they're going to make a lot more money there. And it's pretty obvious now that the Big 12 
will be at 12 schools after this upcoming year, after this next year, Oklahoma and Texas are gone. And with the new teams in, the Big 12 will go from 10 to 12 schools, but they would like to add four more. Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and Colorado fit the bill. These would be great. Utah's terrific at football. they got a great coach. Colorado's got Dion as their coach now. They're getting talent right and left. And you get the entire state of Arizona, which is a whole lot of eyeballs watching TV. And I think Arizona is a good sports state. I don't think California is. I think a lot of people in California don't give a rip about college sports. It's a pro sports state. Up and down the coast, it's that way. But these are three states that love their college teams. Colorado certainly is not the Denver Broncos. I get it. But in Arizona, Arizona and Arizona State are big, big deals. And Utah is a massive deal in the state of Utah. And, of course, BYU is already in the conference. So you've got that entire state. This is a good play. The Big 12 gets these schools and goes to 16 teams. I think they're set for the rest of my lifetime. I think 16 is the number. You set it up, and you have two divisions of eight, and you're on your way. In the SEC, they're already in fighting over what they're going to do when Oakland, Oklahoma, and Texas come. Alabama's Nick Saban is the loudest voice in the SEC. He's a louder voice than the commissioner, and he is not happy. Nick Saban is not happy. When they go and become a massive conference, they're going to expand to nine games in conference, which means they will have three fixed opponents that they'll play every year. And Nick Saban is screaming from the mountaintop, how in the world did you pick these three for us? Auburn is a natural. That's your in-state rival. So that's going to be there no matter what, just as Oklahoma and Texas will continue to play. Then they give Alabama, LSU, and Tennessee. So they'll be required to play LSU, Auburn, and Tennessee every year. And Nick Saban is peeved, man. He's like, wait a second. How did y'all decide on this? I don't know. I haven't read all the inner workings of what they're deciding on and how they're going to do it. But Missouri will have fixed opponents. Pretty obvious Arkansas will be one of them. And that's the way the SEC is going to go forward. But before Oklahoma and Texas have even gotten there, they've upset the king of the SEC. The reason the SEC is what they are right now is simple. It's Nick Saban. I mean, Georgia is the best program now. Kirby Smart may be the heir apparent here, and he's won a couple of national titles. But let's be honest. Nick Saban went to LSU and won. Then he went to Alabama and won. He is Mr. SEC. He has. There is not one single person more responsible for the status of the SEC right now, and therefore the money flow into the SEC than Nick Saban. He should be listened to. At every turn, the SEC should be listening to Nick Saban and thanking him for what he has done for all the other schools, not just Alabama. But What he has personally done for all these other schools is pretty darn remarkable. And this is really remarkable. In pro football, you know the Giants quarterback? Giants quarterback, Daniel Jones, yeah, an okay season, right? He improved. Mike Kafka signed on board. They got a new coach. Daniel Jones improved. You looked at him as like, okay, maybe he's in the top half of starting quarterbacks, somewhere right around 15. You'd look at Daniel Jones and say, okay, I could, I could maybe sign up the fact that he's middle of the pack, that the Giants have a legitimate Starting quarterback. Not a great one. Not, not one that's going to win the Super Bowl, I don't think. They're going to have to have a great defense and all these other things to win a Super Bowl with Daniel Jones. Dude wants $45 million a year in his new contract. Daniel Jones is demanding $45 million. Or what? You'll go somewhere else and be a backup? Or what? $45 million or what? 
In other news, Kevin Keatsman wants $45 million a year. I don't think they're going to give it to me. I think the Giants should pay me $45 million a year to leave them alone on this podcast. Just $45 million a year. That's all I want. Daniel Jones wants $45 million. It's crazy. I got my new MyPillow yesterday. It arrived at the house, the MyPillow 2.0. With the cooling technology, it has a new, the best part of the new MyPillow 2.0 is the cover that's on it compared to the old MyPillows. The cover around the pillow is, I, I get it. I see what he's selling here. This is pretty cool. It's high end. It's really nice. If you loved your MyPillow, you might consider the MyPillow 2.0 when it's time to replace it. It's a completely different kind of MyPillow, and we love them. We got a pair of them, and we're sleeping with them here. At the Keatsman household, you can get one for yourself with a, the, best, the biggest discount available is with the promo code KKHI. Go to MyPillow.com slash KKHI or just MyPillow.com or call 800-923-9034. You can order your MyPillows on the phone. Again, that's 800-923-9034 or go to MyStore.com slash KKHI. Anything you buy, the biggest discount available is with the promo code KKHI. It's the same as, if not bigger, than anything you see on TV or any other radio show. Max discount, promo code KKHI at MyPillow.com and MyStore.com. Advantage Termite and Pest Control is going to be coming out here in the next few weeks for the spring treatment at the Keatsman House. We love the work they do. They're online at AdvantageTPC.com. And the Red Tag Auction is up. The Dell Latitude computer is gone. It sold for $186, I think. <laughs> the red tag auctions are up at the KK list from bstock.net. If you want to see what they're offering each week, they have different items. There's a new auction item up now. And all you got to do is go to the KK list, the KKList.com. You'll see an icon, a logo thing right there that says red tag auction and find out what the next piece of electronics is. It could be a big screen TV, could be the computer you're looking for. These things go dirt cheap. They're basically given away. They start at like $9. The bidding starts on a lot of items at like $9. And they never get anywhere close to retail price when they sell. It's a pretty cool deal from bstock.net in Olathe, 14680 South Flaming Road. The weekend is upon us. I think I'm going to be visiting the plaza. We had dinner on the plaza Thursday night. The plaza, I, I commented with the friends we were with on Thursday night. And I said, you know, it kind of needs a makeover down here. I feel the same thing when I go to Aggieville in Manhattan. I'm like, I love Aggieville, but boy, it needs more. They've done some work in Aggieville. They're doing more, but it needs a makeover. It needs more than a comb over. It needs maybe the complete toupee. And the plaza's kind of that way. We had a wonderful steak dinner on Thursday night, and I love the plaza, and I love that part and tradition of Kansas City. we got to take care of her. Somehow, some way, it just kind of looks like it needs a makeover. There's too many chains, not enough local kind of places maybe. I uh, love the plaza, and I, I don't go there very often, but we went Thursday night. I think I'm going Saturday. So maybe I'll see you out and about. We're going to be meeting some friends down there on Saturday. Hopefully the weather's not too bad this weekend. And I hope that you have a fantastic weekend as Big 12 Tournament Week in Kansas City is right around the corner. College basketball ending on Saturday. Missouri hosts Ole Miss for Senior Day. And KU and K-State are on the road. K-State's at West Virginia. KU's at Texas. Enjoy the games. Enjoy your weekend. And thank you, as always, for listening to KKHI. Thanks for listening to Kevin Keatsman Has Issues, presented by Roberts Robinson Chevrolet Buick GMC. 
to get exclusive patrons-only podcasts, receive a weekly newsletter, and attend in-person patrons-only parties. Visit kkhasissues.com and become a patron today. This has been a production of Crooked Tail Media Incorporated. (laughs) 